0: Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History title! of Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on?
1: Uh, not really.
0: Gambling gods? Fickle bunch. Oh yeah, so easily offended.
1: Gamble's not your problem. You're just an idiot.
0: Welcome you in to another edition of Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can get me on Twitter, at UndercoverGreg, for all of my gambling picks. And I am joined, as always, by my partner in crime, Matt Siegel, better known as Showtime on the Twitter sphere. at ShowtimeCappers, is where you can find him on Twitter. And it is October edition of Full Slate, which means there is plenty to talk about plenty to gamble on and we are going to certainly cover the league championship series in both the national league and the american league game one in the senior circuit is tonight between the washington nationals and the st louis cardinals as both underdogs win in the national league division series washington certainly in a far more improbable fashion coming from behind in los Angeles. And then St. Louis with a blowout victory in game five in Atlanta. So we'll talk national league championship series, American league championship series. And then of course it wouldn't be a football Friday without some gambling picks. So we will give you our picks for the college slate week seven in the collegiate ranks and week six in the NFL. We got picks there as well. Matt, great to be joined you again, joined by you again. We got a lot to get to as always.
1: What up, Greg? I mean, this is, you know, we talk every week, but it just gets better and better, right? NHL is starting to pick up. we got baseball playoffs. We're down to four teams now. I mean, NFL is really, you know, it's been in the swing of things, but week six, you know, we're really going to start seeing who are the contenders, who are the pretenders. College football, probably the best slate of the year so far, if I do say so myself. The matchups are wild. You can park yourself in front of the TV on the couch all day Saturday, all day Sunday, and you don't
0: have to move. You, you'll, you will definitely be entertained, I'll tell you that much. And so the entertainment begins, and I suppose that we'll give a shout-out to our executive producer, Alex, and his Nationals with a come-from-behind victory in Game 5 in the National League Division Series to advance to the National League Championship Series, and that's where the weekend of entertainment begins. I think for most sports fans, there are some college football games on Friday, which Matt will be partaking in, but uh, we obviously want to talk about this National League Championship Series. The Washington Nationals and the St. Louis Cardinals. Matt, I think most of Thursday all across baseball before we got to game five of the American League Championship Series was spent just coming to terms with this reality that the Los Angeles Dodgers are not playing in the National League Championship Series, a pretty surprising outcome, especially considering the Dodgers were the National League Champions the last two years and also played in the NLCS in 2016 against the uh, Chicago Cubs. So the first time since 2015 that the LA Dodgers are not in the NLCS pretty shocking result at Chavez Ravine on Wednesday night.
1: Shocking result that the Dodgers lost. Yes, and in the fashion they lost, Greg. Right. I mean, forget the grand slam that they hit in the top of the 10th inning. You know, obviously, you put Kershaw in, your your franchise pitcher for the past decade. He gets the one out, you know, then he's in the dugout thinking about it and comes out and on the heads of the uh, yeah, I mean, on back-to-back pitches, Greg, letting up home runs with Rendon, running around the bases, screaming how Soto was going to hit one right after him, which he did. Uh, you know, a little interesting nugget here. Kershaw has never in his career allowed back-to-back home runs on back-to-back pitches. He's This is now the second time that he's allowed in the postseason. It's really just one of those things for one of the best pitchers, if not the best pitcher of all our generation for him to be this different in the postseason is is remarkable. It really is. There's not much explanation for it. And I don't know if anyone knows why it happens other than he just can't get out of his own way. But you know, then you still it's three three. The Dodgers have multiple chances to win the game. You know, Cody Bellinger prospective MVP was up with a man on. You know, he couldn't deliver and then, obviously, in the tenth inning, the Nationals come Joe to play. Kelly, for a second, so,
0: what is Dave Roberts thinking?
1: It's one of the, it's one of the weird things in baseball because it's always it's always really easy to say afterwards, "What was the manager thinking?" Or a great decision, you know. Joe Kelly gets the three outs, and Dodgers hit a walk up in the bottom ten. You know, we're we're not ragging on, on, on nice Dave Roberts, time. but of course, that's not what happened. Joe Kelly. You know, bases loaded, grand slam to Howie Kendrick, a past Dodger. You could have heard a pin drop in that stadium. It was crazy. The fashion that the Dodgers went out in after reaching and losing the World Series in back-to-back years and then achieving a franchise high in wins this year to then have a letdown at home in that fashion in extra innings off a grand slam off of a previous Dodger. You
0: just can't script sports like that, Greg. No, you can't, and that's why it's October, and that's why the unexpected happens in 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 the baseball playoffs so frequently. I feel like, and and you see outcomes that really open eyes, and and, and that was one of them in Los Angeles. So now we move on and we talk about this NLCS between the Washington Nationals and the St. Louis Cardinals. It has uh, was made official on Thursday that it's going to be Miles Mikolas. For the St. Louis Cardinals at home against Anibal Sanchez for the Washington Nationals, uh, St. Louis is a short minus a dollar fifteen favorite in Game One. However, for the series price, the Cardinals are a short dog. You can bet them to win the series at plus one hundred five. Washington is minus a dollar twenty five to win the series. So obviously, some respect being given to those starting pitchers who. Maybe we will see, maybe we won't in Game 1. We know that none of them will be starting, as it's going to be Anibal Sanchez who gets the ball for Washington. Matt, when we look at this series, early leans on how we think this plays out.
1: Yeah, this one, you know, it's it's, it's another close one, right? It's just how we spoke, I think, before going into all the series. I look, every three, three out of the four series went five games. Um, you know, with the Yankees obviously being the only game, I mean, the only series that, that a sweep occurred in. I, I think we're in due for another close one here. I think the lineups are very comparable up and down. You know, both teams have a solid middle chunk of the order where they can do damage. Uh, Soto and Rendon for the Nationals, Ozuna and Goldie. Uh, for the Cardinals, all, both of those hitters have been very hot. All four of them have been very hot this postseason and have delivered when they need to. Now, I mean, look at the pitching. Cardinals have ace Jack Flaherty, who's arguably been the best pitcher over the past two, three months of the season. Obviously, we know the Nationals have Scherzer, uh, Strasberg and Corbin, who are all studs. You know, Nicholas he, he struggles on the road, but it's obviously very interesting or very important to note. That he is, uh, pitching at home game one here. It's very interesting to see if he, if they end up tossing him on the road. I don't expect it because we know how he struggles on the road. But again, I mean, I see a very even series. I see a long series, you know, six or seven games here, bullpen's comparable. A weakness of the nationals for the majority of the year was their bullpen. And so far their bullpen has been, you know, was pretty good, uh, against the Dodgers in that series. So it's really tough right here. I don't have any official play on game one later tonight. Uh, I might come game time closer, but as of right now, it's really tough for me to call, and I, I might want to watch a game or two before I, I dive into the series.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. There's not enough value on either side for me to think that the series price would be worth looking at here. We'll get into that more. I have some thoughts on the American League Championship Series with that regard as well, but uh I'm with you in the sense that I kind of agree with the pricing in terms of game one. Like it's hard to look at Anibal Sanchez and expect him to be a favorite on the road. Uh, but I think we have to pay the nationals res- some respect here. they, won two games in LA and I think they are being respected properly being the favorite in this series you look at St. Louis and they are the team that's been there done that before but I think that some of that goes out the window now that the Nationals got over the postseason hurdle and if you want to count the wild card then advanced now multiple rounds in the postseason so I agree this is probably one that I look to sit on the sidelines tonight and just See how teams manage their bullpens. Maybe Washington is a little more aggressive with its bullpen, knowing that you have Anibal Sanchez out there and knowing that you might not need to use your bullpen as much in the games that are started by Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbin. At least that's what you hope. Uh, whereas, you know, St. Louis, I think they have more of an all around you know, solid 25-man roster where they can beat you in a number of different ways, and we saw that in the National League Division Series against Atlanta. Their bats really came alive in Game 5, uh, and the rest of the series, they, they were coming up with the timely hit, but not necessarily the massive quantity of hits where it was a big all offensive barrage, and, and, and they were getting some pretty good pitching outings uh, in previous games of the series. So, difficult one for me to handicap right now, uh, and one that I probably uh, sit on the side for. Yeah, right, right
1: now, I, I, I'm, I'm really just in agreement there. I'm, I'm excited to see how it goes, and I, I might come, like I said, come game time, see a little more I like. Obviously, want to see the official lineups and everything there, but as of right now, With the way the Nationals won that game last night, I would lean towards the Cardinals at home after an emotional road victory for the Nationals and traveling. I know the Cardinals had to travel, but obviously they played earlier and pretty much won that game within the first inning, not to say that they were already focused on the winner of the other series, but a less emotional game for the Cardinals staff and
0: players, so I would lean Cardinals as of right now. I would agree. I, I would lean Cardinals uh because of I, I do still factor the home field a little bit. And hey, they're going to have Jack Flaherty in game three on the road, which ironically enough, I think is actually a, a, a benefit here. While they don't get him in the first two games, they get him in that first road game in D.C. and, and he obviously matches up, you know, in, in a weird way, I'd almost rather not have Flaherty in game one against Anibal Sanchez, knowing that you're going to be able to match him up with Uh, you know, a Scherzer, let's say, in Game 3, if that's the way it does shake out, but just going off of Flaherty's, you know, normal rest, he pitched on Wednesday, so he would be in line to come back on Monday night in Game 3 in D.C. So neither one of us with a a, a strong lean right now, but hey, safe to say this is at least six games, right? Yeah, for sure. So, uh, there you have it. We certainly, given that, I think there's probably going to be value in taking the other side, you know, of, of, of the next game, right? So, you know, betting against the previous result, you know, maybe you look to play the loser of game one in game two and then the loser of game three, you bet them in game four and, and you just kind of expect a, a seesaw to kind of go back and forth. Normally not a bad strategy in a series you expect to be, you know, a, Going down to an elimination. Yeah,
1: this is going to be a good series. Close games throughout. Um, it's just one of those
0: series you got to take it game by game. And you obviously got to see how the pitch maps break down. Let's go to the American League now, where the Houston Astros survive in five last night against the Tampa Bay Rays. Home team wins every game, and the Astros advance to play the New York Yankees in the American League Championship Series. And Matt, you know, when we look at this, we're finally we're going to get the ALCS that we were salivating over. I think everyone was. Uh, and it certainly hit a few bumps in the road there with Tampa putting up a great fight against Houston. Uh, but here we are now with game one tomorrow night at Minute Maid Park. Houston Astros, New York Yankees, uh, the, it's a clash of Titans, right? And, and, and there's really not much on either side that you can nitpick at and say, I don't like that part of that team or that aspect. This, this is the two best teams in the American League and, and buckle your seatbelts because here we go. Yeah, I mean, Greg,
1: like, have we not been waiting eight months for this? Like, we could have just fast-forward. This, to me, almost feels like the NBA season, what it was for the past five or six years, obviously, when LeBron was in Cleveland, so a couple of uh, the past five or six, before he went to the Lakers, obviously, you know, where it was just, let's skip, let's fast-forward, let's get to the Warriors, let's get to the Cavs Finals. I mean, this is what it is, especially with the Dodgers out now, I mean, I think we can both agree that most people probably will say the World Series winner comes
0: from this, right? Uh, I think we can agree there. Um, with the Dodgers out, yeah, I think that that I, that that's a safe assumption. I would. I, I mean, would, hey,
1: don't get me wrong. I mean, the Nationals, Cardinals aren't out of it. Obviously, whoever wins, I mean, it's the World Series. Anything can fucking happen. But coming into the playoffs, you know, it was Dodgers, Astros, Yankees. Now with Dodgers out and Yankees, Astros left in the AL. I personally believe whoever wins this series will go on to win the World Series. I think this series goes six or seven games. I think it's huge that the Astros were able to edge out the Yankees in the regular season for home field advantage. I think that's something interesting to note, considering how well, not how not how great home field provides for the Astros, but the flip side, how great the Yankees hit in their own ballpark. So I think that's a plus for the Astros, that the Yankees potentially won't be playing that game seven at home. But... Let me tell you, I mean, these are two of the top three, two of the top two teams all year. Clash of the Titans, uh, we've got the three-headed pitchers, Verlander, Cole, and Cranky from the Astros against the Yankees lineup. The Astros lineup, top to bottom, is one of the best ever. Uh, Let's go, let's go. I'm ready for this series. I have no official play on the first game. I'm excited to sit back and watch, and I'll definitely be playing uh, game by game here.
0: Yeah, I don't have an official play on the first game either, and I'm not really sure where I'm going for the series yet. Just a couple of interesting factors though. There was a, the, the big kind of topic of discussion during the week was that, well, you had the Yankees that were rested, they haven't played since Monday, and you had Houston needing to go five games. Does that hit, does that? come into play at all here? Or do we just hit the reset button? Do we think that the Yankees maybe have a better chance to get out of Houston with a split because Houston had to use all its bullets the last couple of days against Tampa? Or are you inclined to think, you know what, they play baseball every day. They can, Houston can wipe the slate clean and play its best baseball yet in the postseason now.
1: Uh, that, that's, that's always me, Greg. These guys are professionals. They've been doing it their entire lives since t-ball at the age of three that they live breathe eat baseball sleep it everything there's no fatigue it's 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 four wins away from the world series you know obviously we can look at fatigue for pitchers if they're pitching on short rest we will look at that but I don't expect anyone to be pitching on short rest obviously until later in the series come game six or seven and then we can reevaluate that but I don't see the rest for the Yankees or the five game series for the Astros being much of a factor here. Two of the best teams in baseball, like we said, you know, this is going, this is going, this has six or seven written all over in my opinion.
0: No, I, I, I'm certainly with you. I will say the one thing, you say six or seven, I agree now. A couple weeks ago I would have disagreed and thought, Houston is head and shoulders better than everybody else. But I think the Astros – and, yes, you can credit Tampa a lot. They they were a great team, and I really liked the Rays. Uh, but I think the Astros showed that they were human at times in those two games in Tampa. And I, I think there's enough there to make me think that instead of winning this in a, a sweep or five, that this is going to go six or seven, I still – if I were to bet the series price right now, because I know people like to do that, I would still play the Astros because – I have enough concerns about the Yankees starting pitching still. I'm really hesitant to look much into the Yankees three wins against Minnesota because the Twins couldn't hit and the Twins hitting has been what was what got them to the postseason. And so while you can credit the Yankees starting pitching, I I certainly think it was a little bit of both. What would have happened if the twins got to Luis Severino early in that game three with the bases loaded and nobody out, like maybe things are different there. And, and, and also the Yankees starting pitching, their guys were pitching with leads because they were getting out in front early in those games, except for game one, which they, you know, won a little bit later on. So, when you're pitching with a lead, it's a little bit of a different circumstance. So for Luis Severino and um, Masahiro Tanaka to go through games two and three the way they did against the Twins, it's not going to be nearly the same here, which is why I still think the, the Astros, Matt, I know you like first five run line plays on the favorites. It, it, it reduces the juice. That would be something that I would look to invest in again with the Astros, because I just think that the Yankees starting pitching will not hold up. Let's take a break and check in with our sponsors. Following a team you love in 2019 can be time-consuming. Trying to follow everything happening in sports is almost impossible. Scrolling through every app and visiting every website on a daily basis can be difficult. That's why I choose to subscribe to Axios Sports, the best free daily newsletter in the land. Axios Sports is a modern sports page delivered directly to your email inbox. When you sign up for free at sports.axios.com, you'll get the best stories from the NBA and NFL to cricket and ping pong and everything in between. Axios Sports also highlights the most important stats and trends, giving you the ability to stay informed. It's super simple to sign up and it's free. Sports.axios.com. Not only will you be caught up, You'll be the friend sharing an amazing link with your buddies. Join the 100,000 sports fans who get caught up on the day before it even begins. And best of all, there's no paywall, no subscription fee, nothing. This is free curated content delivered directly to you. Sign up at sports.axios.com. Again, try for $3.99 at sports.axios.com. Humans have been shaving for thousands of years. And the secret to a great shave? It hasn't changed much. The ancient Greeks didn't need flex balls or heated handles, and neither do you. That's why Harry's doesn't overcharge to add gimmicky features to their razors. They focus on delivering what actually matters, sharp, durable blades at a fair price. I love Harry's because it gives me a close shave, easy glide, all at a low price. Do us a favor and check out harrys.com slash bluewire for your free trial today. Harry's is a return to the essential. Quality, durable blades at a fair price, just $2 per blade. Harry's is just super convenient. Blade refills are delivered directly to your door on your schedule with or without a subscription, and there's no risk to you for trying them out. If you don't love your shave, let them know, and they'll give you a full refund. Listeners of Full Slate, can redeem their Harry's trial set at harrys.com bluewire You'll get a weighted ergonomic handle with a firm grip, five blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel with a low to keep your skin hydrated and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy to grab on the go. Go to harrys.com slash blue wire to start shaving better today. And we welcome you back into Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. Greg Frank, at Undercover Greg, and Matt Siegel. You might know him on Twitter as Showtime, at Showtime. Cappers is his handle. We're going to break down some pigskin now as we opened the show talking a lot of baseball Let's go to your college football Saturday. Now, already week seven in college football. Before you know it, we'll be talking about conference championship games, college football playoff rankings, and the whole shebang there as we sit here now in the middle of October with about six or seven weeks left in the college football regular season. Let's talk a little bit, Matt. First, about Friday night, and you have a pick on a team that didn't look so good last week and that is the Miami Hurricanes as they take on the Virginia Cavaliers. Why don't you take us through your first pick for college football <clears throat> college football week seven?
1: Yeah, so Friday night, under the lights, 8 p.m., University of Miami. I'm playing them on the money line, minus 125 here. Like you said, they didn't look so great, but I took something different away from that game. You know, they – open the game down 28 nothing very disappointing start to the game against rival virginia tech as two touchdown favorites i mean to say let down game for miami that was an understatement but i'll tell you this they did not go away they did not give up they scored 28 points in the second half They scored 21 points in the fourth quarter. And, you know, Greg, they actually came all the way back and they tied this game 35-35. So they came back from a 28-point victory. They had a chance down at the end to get the game-tying touchdown and send it to overtime at 42-42. They weren't able to do it. I understand that. You know, they didn't force any turnovers and they turned the ball over five times. I don't expect that to be the case here. I think UVA is a little overrated coming into this game. You know, they, they they were 4-0 going into the Notre Dame game. We saw what happened there, and I think this is the game that UVA loses and they, and they get back on track of the kind of football team we thought they would be preseason. You know, they'll lose their ranking. And I just really think that Miami's going to ride that fourth quarter and, and be hungry from that game and take that right in this game and, and bounce back as a small, as a small home favorite. I, I, I like Miami, minus 125 for a one-unit play.
0: You mentioned Virginia losing its ranking potentially as Virginia sits at number 20 in the nation, entering this game off of a bye week, having wrapped up its September slate with a loss at South Bend against the Fighting Irish. I am going to talk about another team that I think is going to drop out of the top 25 this week, and it's a team that actually just got into the top 25, and that is the Memphis tigers you can call me a homer i am a temple alum but i am going to play temple plus six and i think this is a money line investment as well i look at memphis as a team that's a little overvalued a phony cover last week against the louisiana monroe uh team that was in that game most of the way uh even navy on the road as a ten and a half point dog they were able to cover by just a couple of points against winning that game 35 23. Navy gave them a really good first half before Memphis put up a good third quarter in that game. I look at Temple though, and this is a great spot to play Temple. The Owls, I followed the program very closely. They get up for these big games, and for one reason or another, they don't have it in the games that they should take care of business in pretty comfortably. I was on Buffalo plus the two touchdowns against Temple about three weeks ago now, that game was. Temple last week as a double digit favorite at East Carolina didn't cover, but the Owls get up as home dogs. I've seen it happen under multiple coaches now. For one reason or another, the players that they bring in just seem to buy in to what they're selling there on North Broad. I love Temple plus the six and on the money line. I think this is very similar to the Temple Maryland game a couple of weeks ago when more about a month ago now when Maryland lost as in that kind of 18 to 25 ranked range were the Terrapins so I think Temple is a worthwhile investment uh I will take them plus the points I got in at plus six and I will play them on the money line as well let's move on and go to Michigan State and Wisconsin in Madison Uh, an interesting Big Ten game here with the Wisconsin Badgers sitting as double digit home chalk ten and a half is the line total of 40 and a half. We both have plays on this game. Matt, I'll let you go first.
1: <clears throat> yeah, I'm I'm going I'm going right to a classic play here But I've been riding, you know, most of the season and you know, a, a lot of every year. I mean, what do what do we see out of out of Big 10 games, right? You know, hard-fought games and on hard goes so, exactly. Game. So I'm going right to Wisconsin under 40 and a half. I got the number at Wisconsin is the number one defense in the country out of all teams. I mean, they're allowing only 179 yards per game and only six points per game. Greg, that's less than a touchdown per game. I mean, I I don't know what to say. I don't really care who you're playing. You're allowing less than a touchdown through five games. That's pretty damn impressive. I mean, they're running games. Do I even really need to, to mention it? Jonathan Taylor, Heisman hopeful, obviously, I would say, and I think we can agree, the best running back in the country. They feed him the rock, you know, and what happens when you're running the ball? You know, the clock does not stop. It is running the clock gets milked. That's how this Wisconsin op- o- offense operates. They get out and up early, and then they run the ball, they chew the clock, they play defense, and they win these methodical games. It's just really their style of play, and it, it's kind of funny because it really translates over to basketball, but obviously we'll get to that yeah. when college basketball yeah. picks up, but it's just kind of ironic. you know. Maybe it's a Wisconsin way that they don't like to see points. Uh, over there, I have no idea. And, you know, to Michigan State, I mean, does this schedule get easy? I mean, come on, at Ohio State last week in the night game, you got thumped 34-10, to you looked pretty pathetic. Ohio State did whatever the hell they wanted with you guys. Now you're on the road, you're traveling to Wisconsin. I mean, for for a back-to-back, at Ohio State, at Wisconsin, this might be the toughest back-to-back game schedule of any team in the country. I mean, I would have to look at other schedules, but I I just can't imagine anyone playing two top-ten teams back-to-back weeks on the road, not to mention Wisconsin, Greg, they haven't traveled since week one. So, you know, they played that week one game game on the interesting little nugget on the road, and then they played four straight home games, and they had their bye. You know, we always talk about it, but Wisconsin's been sleeping in their own beds for a long time. They've been using their own showers, their own toilets when they're taking a shit. You know, I mean, that just makes it a lot more comfortable, and I don't see anything changing about how Wisconsin's games have gone this year, not to mention to talk about how Michigan State's coming off of a tough opponent at Ohio State, I mean Wisconsin's coming off of a cupcake game where they ran over Kent State last week at home. I like Wisconsin game to go under here. I think Wisconsin controls the tempo. I'm not sure about the cover obviously, because to cover ten and a half, to win by eleven or more, with me, you know, me thinking that the game's gonna go under forty and a half. I see that somewhere maybe around like a twenty to Twenty to ten affair, something like that. You know, they're going to get the win and they're going to melt the clock and they're going to get in and out. And, and, and Michigan State is, they're just going to, you know, I mean, does it, it doesn't? Greg, it doesn't even get easier for them. Then they have Penn State at home. I mean, three games
0: in a row yeah, between. And, but yeah,
1: it, I mean, yeah, but the next game they play. So it's just like. Sure. You know, and Michigan State obviously has had some interesting games here, to say the least. You know, they're already 4-2, so already kind of a letdown year, losing at home to Arizona State. I don't see anything that scares me from the Michigan State offense. You know, if anything, it could be the Wisconsin offense running it up, but I don't see that happening here because Michigan State's defense is actually respectable. And, you know, they did hold Ohio State at home to 35 points. So I think somewhere in the range of, you know, 20 to 27 max for Wisconsin is a, is a good, is a good uh, estimate.
0: Yeah, no, I think the unders is the right side of the total will play here, but I think Michigan State is a little undervalued in this spot, actually. Because, let's be honest, Arizona State, that was not a good... That was an ugly loss for Michigan State, but Arizona State has followed it up, playing pretty well. They're into the top 20 in the nation entering this week. Yeah, no, they're not
1: bad. That's for sure. That's a good
0: point. You know, and, and then, what did Michigan State do the following week? The, I know Northwestern is a seller-dweller in the Big Ten this year, but they went there and kicked the crap out of them, and that was a game I was completely on the wrong side of. I had Northwestern catch in the almost 10 points, and it was Wasn't even close. Michigan State won that one, thirty-one to ten, and and then the next week against Indiana, another kind of cellar dweller in the Big Ten, they were able to win that one as well, scoring forty points. So I'm I'm, by no means am I saying that's going to happen here, but I believe that this is a team that is not going to give up on its season after losing to Ohio State the way that everyone has lost to Ohio State, and so I think Michigan State is going to go into Madison thinking they can win this game, and there's. Really not a reason for me to think that they can't, because look at Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin, on the other hand, Matt, you said the four straight home games. I should think that's a reason they're a little overvalued here, because Michigan, that win, 35-14, is exactly why this point spread is so high. They did not play that well. It wasn't a that impressive win the following week against Northwestern. Northwestern almost got back in that game in the second half and had chances to win it. So then you look at who Wisconsin's played in the non-conference. South Florida is down this year. Kent State is Kent State. There's no, that's nothing really to write home about at all. Central Michigan is, is, is another pathetic non-conference opponent. So I I, ex- I, think, I expect Michigan State to go into this game and, and, and compete the whole way and have a chance to win. I'll gladly take the points with the Spartans. I, I like Michigan State plus the 10.5, plus the 10, depending on where you're shopping. I'm going to give out another play, actually, in the 12 noon Eastern slate real quick. It's, it's a big game, the Red River rivalry, Texas Longhorns. Oklahoma Sooners, neutral site game at the Cotton Ball. And Oklahoma is a 10.5 point favorite. And this trend is, I would think, mainstream enough to where the line would have been smaller. But for whatever reason, you have Oklahoma given 10.5 to Texas. And the trend that I'm talking about, Tom Herman as an underdog, 13 and 3 against the spread in his coaching career as an underdog he has covered uh, Texas in this series has covered 6 of the last 7 games against Oklahoma why is that important because these games are close these are rivalry games Texas is the last couple years has been undervalued in this game because the Texas program hasn't been to the heights that the Oklahoma program has been in. They haven't been to the college football playoff, but you know what? In a rivalry game, that doesn't always matter because Texas is going to give its best shot. This is the next best thing to making the college football playoff for Texas is beating Oklahoma. I'm not saying they're going to do it, but you best believe I'm taking the points. You best believe that I think Texas can keep this game close. Oklahoma last week against Kansas kind of went through the motions a little bit I don't think they covered the first half line um and they won 45 to 20 and you know that's the worst team in the big 12 probably or one of what else have they shown right like they played UCLA non-conference who is is not a good team they played South Dakota you throw that game out and Houston early on Houston has since struggled not enough for me with Oklahoma to think against in a rivalry game they can cover this line I'm taking Texas Plus all those points. I know, Matt, you don't have a play on this game, but just it is one of the bigger games. Do you have any thoughts on the Red River rivalry this week?
1: Yeah, I mean, hey, I hope you win your bet, but I just hope Jalen Hurts puts up hell of stats because, you know, this is this is a Heisman game in the making or a Heisman losing game. Let me tell you, because if they lose this game to Texas, you know, they're going to probably find themselves... Uh, and no shot at the playoffs because with what's going on with the rest of the co- teams in college football you know it's looking like in Oklahoma or in Ohio State we'll definitely need to go undefeated to get into the college football playoffs along with uh, Heisman hopeful Jalen Hurts so I hope that this total is you know accurate I hope we're seeing a lot of points a lot of stats and you know for your sake I hope Oklahoma wins by 10 it's a tough game for me to play I, I do obviously had the slight bias with taking my Oklahoma team total over, you know, this was a game that I expected them to win. And I said, even if this is the only game they lost, they can still hit the total of over ten and a half. But it's obviously a little bias, you know, with also backing Jalen Hurts. So it's a game that I'm going to stay away from and just enjoy and watch. But I would lean um, towards the under here. Actually, I think it's going to be a little more defensive than we think. Uh, we've actually seen Oklahoma defense, you know, be solid at times. And I just, you know, I think it's a lot of points in, in, in a rivalry game like this. We saw it go under last year. I would lean towards the under, but no play. I'll be rooting for Jalen Hurts to put up stats.
0: That's an interesting point though, because real quick, I think in rivalry games, you would just see ramped up intensity defensively, right? So that would also Lend itself to the under, uh, which in in the case of a Big Twelve game with two offenses that have been running up and down the field, that can sometimes be mispriced. And you know what? We are another. Just one last thing on why I like Texas. We already saw Texas go toe to toe with LSU, and they didn't win the game, but they kept it. I believe they lost that game by a touchdown. So here we're getting over ten. I, I just think there's too much value on Texas not to play the Longhorns in this spot. Let's move on. As uh, double checking the uh, Texas and LSU score just to confirm, and it was a 45-38 win for LSU. So I was right, seven-point victory for the Tigers. Yeah, LSU, I mean, so that's a good note that they've played the best opponent out of the two, obviously. But, you know,
1: I, I do think ultimately Oklahoma's offense is is too much for Texas.
0: Let's move on. we got two more games to get to. One, of, uh, one, one game is in Iowa City, and we both have a play here, different plays on the Penn State and Iowa game, the Nittany Lions three-and-a-half-point road chalk. In this one, with the total sitting at thirty-eight, I'm sorry, I'm sorry forty-two is the total. My mistake. Uh, so total forty-two. Penn State, a three and a half point road favorite. Matt, where are you going with your play on this game?
1: Craig, you know we spoke about Wisconsin. It's another Big Ten game. I think you can guess where I'm going. I'm going with the under, under forty-two here. Penn State has been a very surprising team after a few struggling. Wins, You know, I say that because in college football, obviously, a win is not like in the NFL. When you win and you don't win too well, it actually reflects negatively upon you. So that's where we thought Penn State was heading. And then all of a sudden, they turn around and they just stomp what we thought was a solid Maryland team. And they stomped them on the road, Greg. And I think ever since that performance, everyone's looked at Penn State a little differently. You know, obviously, Purdue is awful this year, but they took care of business and then they beat Purdue at home. They have a tough stretch here. They're at Iowa, at home against Michigan, then at Michigan State. So this is a really defining stretch for Penn State here. Um, but I like the under here. Two really competitive teams because one team will be going in one direction and the other will be going in another this way. You know, it's safe to say Iowa, this would be their second loss and they, and, and they'll be struggling. And Penn State is then really looking towards the college football playoffs, obviously, if they can turn this into 6-0. And, you know, if they lose this game, that kind of will, Leave uh, Penn State out of the chances of the college football playoffs. Obviously, unless they run the table and stay with one win, but I wouldn't expect that. But I was four and one to the under this year. Penn State's three and two to the under this year. In the four combined game- conference games they've played this year, all four have went under. Obviously, Iowa played a very uh, low-scoring game last week at Michigan, losing that game three to ten. That was a tough game. You know, now they come home oh, and they're and they got Penn State. It doesn't get easier. Penn State, like I said, they won thirty-five to seven last week against Purdue, going under the total comfortably at fifty-five. You know, Penn State's defense is the second ranked in, in all of college football behind Wisconsin, only allowing seventh. Only allowing seven points per game, you know, and I was not far behind. And by not far, they're third, Greg. Right? They're only allowing nine points per game. So you have the number two and number three ranked defenses here. Penn State's only allowing two hundred forty yards a game. Iowa State only two hundred and fifty-four yards a game. That's good for fourth and fifth best, respectively, in the country. This game is underwritten all over it in my mind. It honestly sounds too good, but
0: I'm still playing here and and this is a this is a one you play for me. You know, I am going to take a different angle here, and I do agree with your underplay here because I like the dog, which is the Iowa Hawkeyes and taking the points, and I think that the Iowa defense here is the storyline because we saw them single-handedly keep them in that football game last week. Time and time again, they got the ball back to their offense and give gave them opportunities Uh, elsewhere in Iowa's schedule early on this year. I know that they, you know, non-conference, you read into it as you might – only allowed three points against Middle Tennessee, low scoring rivalry game with Iowa State, Iowa winning at 18 to 17. I think that game is the data point that this game might look most, might most resemble. Uh, but I have to obviously have to get this in here, pat myself on the back. I think you were a week early on Iowa. Of course, last week in our crossfire, I was on Michigan. And fortunately, in my case, Michigan was able to cover that line and win it 10 to three at home. Uh, but I think Again, that says more about uh, where the Michigan, or I'm sorry, the Iowa defense keeping them in the game. I think that was what I took from that, thinking, okay, this is what can carry over, and they can keep playing well on that side of the ball. A shutout in Big Ten play, uh, obviously lowly Rutgers, so you again, read into that as you may, but they went to Michigan and only allowed 10 points, and I think that this is going to be an Iowa defense that is really jacked up at home, under the lights, primetime game against a Penn State team that... Like, are we really sure Penn State is is this good? Are we really sure that all of a sudden Penn State is perhaps a dark horse to be in the college football playoff? Because that's what their ranking says. At number 10, that says that they're still very much in this thing, and I just don't know that I can get there. Penn State played a horrible first half at home back in week two against the Buffalo Bulls. They were down 10-7 against a lowly Buffalo team. And then Pittsburgh, who I still – like. Pitt is not good, okay? And Pitt nearly went to State College and won that game outright. I'm more inclined to think that that shutout victory in College Park had more to do with Maryland than Penn State. And Purdue is not good this year. Rondell Moore, their star receiver, didn't play last week it's not a team I want to lay points with on the road right now in Penn State, so I love Iowa in this spot. Kirk Ferentz and his team always seems to get up in these games. They always give, whether it's Penn State or Ohio State, we saw them ruin Ohio State's college football playoff dreams a couple of seasons ago. Penn State had that crazy Saquon Barkley play and that last touchdown to walk off final play of the game against Iowa when they were last in Iowa City. These games are always close and barn burners. That's why I'm taking this for a max play on Iowa. I got in at four. Right now it's three and a half. Make sure you get in at three and a half before it goes down to three. Iowa plus the three and a hook for a max play from me.
1: Greg, I wish you nothing but the best. You know, I I hope Iowa uh, covers. I hope they win out right, honestly, and I hope we get the under, and I hope we both uh, do very well in this game.
0: Last pick for me, uh, real quick, on LSU and Florida. I'm going to take LSU in the first half at home, minus seven. Just a tricky spot here for Florida, right? They pull off that outright upset over Auburn in a game where uh, Auburn was two-and-a-half-point road chalk. Kyle Trask comes back after he was banged up. It looked like he might have to leave the game. And he comes back in and braves the Auburn defense and, and hangs in there, and, and they're able to win at home, but now they have to go on the road against LSU and don't fall for this trap of all these points uh with 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 a top 10 team. It might almost feel too easy to just take them and and see the numbers next to the team names and think how could this be possible? Well, I'll tell you how. LSU, this is this is their biggest game yet, okay? They have Granted, I know we mentioned that Texas game earlier, but now, obviously, in the SEC, you get chance and chance and chance to prove yourself on the national stage. They're going to have it against Florida. They'll have it against Auburn. They'll have it against Alabama. And so this is where LSU really turns it up a notch. Last week. They kicked the crap out of Utah State, and you know they've been kicking the crap out of most teams in their way, save for that Texas game, which was a close seven-point game, as I mentioned earlier. Now you've got a Joe Burrow who is turning himself into a bit of a Heisman dark horse here, and he has been putting up crazy numbers. Now he faces a really good Florida defense. I I think that you're going to get a max effort from LSU to just come out and make a statement to the country that not only can they make the college football playoff, but they are one of, if one of the best teams in the, in the land and are worthy of being in the college football playoff. I think they're going to destroy Florida here. I will lay the seven in the first half to back the LSU Tigers. That is my last pick for the college slate. Let's move on uh, quickly and, and get into our NFL. Play. Before we move on, Greg, you know, I'm going I'm to just let no, you know, I, I, do, I do really like that play as well. I might add that on come game day as well. Always good to hear that I've gotten you on board with one of my picks. And, hey, let's just recap very quickly our college plays. Matt, uh, go ahead and run off the plays just so that we can kind of put a button on our college talk. Your plays this weekend that you're giving out on the podcast are?
1: Yeah, so I got Miami money line minus 125. That goes off tonight. So make sure you get that in. And then I got Saturday in the afternoon slate, Wisconsin under 40 and a half and Penn state in the night slate at seven thirty prime time, Penn state
0: under 42 all one unit plays. So I'm going to go with temple plus six and on the money line against Memphis. I'm going to go with Texas plus 10 and a half against Oklahoma, Michigan state plus 10 against Wisconsin. I will take Iowa plus three and a half for a max play I'll take LSU first half minus seven against Florida. Uh, And so those are my five plays. Well, I guess six if you count the Temple spread and money line. So, again, that's Temple, Michigan State, Texas, LSU first half, and Iowa all against the spread for me. Let's move on and go to the National Football League now where uh, we just finished talking about a game that we maybe will both be on with LSU first half minus a seven. This is a game that we both like in the NFL and it's the Jacksonville Jaguars at home as a one and a half point favorite against Teddy Bridgewater and the New Orleans Saints. Uh, when we look, at New Orleans they played a couple games at home and granted they overachieved in and also had a road win at Seattle but most recently we saw them win at home on Sunday night football against the Dallas Cowboys and then win against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at home now they have to go back on the road Matt against the defense and even without Jalen Ramsey is still showing signs Jalen Ramsey
1: will be playing though
0: and that's you know. good to hear. Uh, I, I was kind of hinting at the last couple of games, even without Ramsey. Their defense has still been getting after the quarterback. Oh, no, agree, agree. Marcus Mariota okay. took a beating in that Thursday night game. So now you get Jalen Ramsey back, and regardless of what's going on here with well, Ramsey, How about their MVP who takes the snaps for them? Well, I'll get to that side of the ball in a minute. Offensive rookie of the year? I mean, come on, man. Certainly looking like a dark horse, or not even a dark horse anymore, uh, Minshew took slowed down a little bit last week. Fortunately for me, I was on the Panthers. But you get a Jacksonville defense now that I think is just going to eat Teddy Bridgewater alive. He is wasn't it? bad. He was pretty
1: good last week, Greg. He was pretty, I mean, except for the fumbles he had. But, I mean, you know, not all the fumbles always land on the quarterback. I mean, he had, three. you know, 60% completion rate, 375 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, you know. Seven – Russia's for 42
0: also. You're talking about Bridgewater or Minshew? Minshew, Minshew. Okay, gotcha. Uh, But, you know, my first angle here was just to look at the Jacksonville defense against New Orleans, and I think it's going to be harder – on the road against a defense that I believe is better than that Seattle defense that Bridgewater went on the road to and beat. I think this is going to be a much more challenging task for Teddy out of the Dome to keep the momentum rolling. So that's my first thing. I think this Jags defense is going to be after the Saints all day long and really it's going to be a struggle for New Orleans to score enough here. And then as you mentioned, that Jacksonville offense, Gardner Minshew keeps going, like he keeps putting up the numbers, keeps moving the football, and they actually got outscored last week by the Carolina Panthers. I nailed that game; I had the over as well there. So you think about Jacksonville, and normally it's like their defense they ride all the way to victories, but now their offense with Minshew and and Fournette had a good game against Denver a couple weeks ago. So we're starting to see him. Got start receiver Shark Junior. Yeah, Very nice nice DJ for, Shark for, for out of too. uh the second round pick out of Maryland has been a nice emerging star for them. We just finished talking about Oklahoma in the college ranks. D.D. Westbrook, nice little slot weapon for them. Uh this offense is coming together at a good time. Leonard Fournette, five yards of carrying so far on the season, a little bit over that. He's already at five hundred twelve rushing yards. Obviously, that's a little bit padded. He had a huge game against Denver. But nonetheless, I think it's a pretty well rounded offense. I just finished talking about how I I like their defense. I like Jacksonville, minus one and a half.
1: Yeah, I mean, I uh, I actually see it one most places, and that's what I booked it at. You know, obviously the half I don't think will play too much of a factor in here, but you never know with the Seahawks winning by one the other week. You know, the spread was one and a half. So so who knows? I'm going to be playing the money line here, that's for sure, as I did against the Seahawks. I mean, with the Seahawks, I would have been pretty – damn upset if I laid the minus one and a half there I'm sure some people did and I'm sure some people are highly regretting playing the Rams on the money line for the couple and I I pushed on uh, on
0: Seattle minus one
1: yeah I mean so there you go Greg maybe you should uh, reconsider the Jags minus one and a half if you haven't already booked it if you have you know maybe your bookie will cancel for you if not uh, I don't know Greg it's a little scary I think the
0: Jags have a really
1: high chance maybe like 60-75 percent chance to win by one but hey We'll see you come Sunday.
0: Um, I was gonna say you're digging digging in pretty deep there. <laughs> no, no,
1: obviously, obviously I'm kidding. I don't think the one point uh, plays too much of a factor here. You uh, hit the nail on the head with a lot of my points. I think with this Jags team coming home, you know, off of uh, a loss in the in the Minshew starting era, I think the the defense tur- turns up a little. Jalen Ramsey at home, you know, obviously he will hopefully contain because that's the only thing you can do to a special receiver like Michael Thomas. You can't stop him. you just gotta hope to slow him down and contain him. And you know, Albert Kamara, as great he is, you know, he hasn't been as dominant as we've seen him uh in previous in previous games. And you know, the Jags have a really good defensive line. This uh this is definitely gonna be in my mind the toughest defense that Teddy Bridgewater has faced to date. You know, also coming off of two, where I would say, mediocre defenses at home in the Superdome. So, you know, quote-unquote, not easy games, because no game is easy in the NFL. But this is definitely a harder task going on the road and playing a, uh, a defense like Jacksonville. Obviously, the Saints, we know how dangerous they are in the Superdome. And, you know, they get uncomfortable sometimes when they go on the road. I expect the Jags to bounce back from their loss at Carolina last weekend and win this game.
0: Let's stay in the AFC South. You have a play on a road underdog. Road underdogs have actually been very profitable in the National Football League so far. We've seen a lot of line movement come on the Houston Texans. Uh, Houston, currently, I'm seeing a four-point pop at Arrowhead Stadium. Total of 55.5 against Kansas City. Matt, you like Houston, and let me first ask you, when you factored in your Houston handicap, did any of that Patrick Mahomes gimpiness that we kind of saw on Sunday night, did that factor in at all? Or are you expecting him to be okay?
1: Greg, you, you pull out your hand. You know, I can take out five points, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run through them right now, right? So we got the Patrick Mahomes gimpiness. We saw the struggling offensive line. You know, we know. Texans, we know what they can do with their defensive line. And with a guy like J.J. Watt, he's a game changer, right? So if you let him get in the backfield and bang on Patrick Mahomes, you know, who's to say that we're seeing Mahomes play the whole game? You know, I hope we do, because I would never hope anything like that to any player, especially a star like Patrick Mahomes. But their defensive line can easily eat up this offensive line. And let me tell you, on the flip side, the Colts – Laid the groundwork last week, right? How to beat this team. Good offensive line and good running and good coaching. So obviously I, you know, I think we can agree that the Colts coaching staff is better than the Texans so far, but the Texans, you know, they have a solid running game, you know, and, and their offensive line should win the battle in my mind against, uh, the Chiefs defensive line. So with the Chiefs injuries that they have, you know, I understand that they probably will be ha- getting Tyree Hill back for this game. I understand that, but let me tell you, as great as Tyreek Hill is, I mean, their other receivers have been pretty serviceable. I'm not saying they're as good as Tyreek Hill, but they put up stats comparable to the numbers that Tyreek Hill would have put up if he was in the game. So, give me the four and a half here on the road. The Texans have been a real interesting team. I think they're, they're you know, they're they're coming in hungry. They just saw the Chiefs get beat by their division rival Colts, and I think they're coming in. I, I really think there's a chance they can pull the upset. We see uh, Patrick Mahomes drop two games at home in a row for the first time in his career. But I will be taking the four-and-a-half.
0: The so match hey, on Houston hi. plus the four-and-a-hook on the road at Ourhead stadium. I am going to take an underdog a little shorter, at home, that is. And, hey, listen, all tickets cash the, sh- cash the same. Don't be one of those betters that doesn't want to dip into the Washington-Miami game just because you have two dumpster fires playing. I am taking the Miami Dolphins plus the three-and-a-half at home against the, the Washington Redskins you got two organizations that are kind of influx and, 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 and you think about the dysfunction that exists within the Washington Redskins. And I actually think it, it, there is more dysfunction there than the Miami Dolphins organization. They went in thinking that they were going to be bad. They stockpiled a bunch of draft picks, obviously making the Laramie Tunstall trade with the Houston Texans. And I think you're going to start to see the guys on Miami continue to play hard, and they're coming out of a buy, and that's where I look to play on them, because I'm thinking, well, now they're going into that bye off of, you know, 0-4, cover any of those games, they were in it against the Chargers a little bit there, but other than that, they were kind of just getting blown out, blown out, blown out, now they're going into a buy, so like, they kind of go away, right, and, and we we don't really think about them, as much, which which for them is good. We don't see them get blown out. And I think that they're going to come out a little bit more jacked up for their first year head coach, Brian Flores, in a spot where Vegas is saying, we don't even think you can beat the Washington Redskins at home right now. I don't agree with that. I think Miami is the more motivated team here to actually play hard. And granted, in in, in January when the season's over, Washington might be happy if that's the case and, and Washington lost this game. Uh, but there's just no way right now that I could, would even think about laying over a field goal on the road with the Washington Redskins. So I love the Miami Dolphins plus three and a half. Any thoughts on this game? Yeah, I mean, I agree, you know, I
1: mean, I, I don't, the last thing I want to do is lay three and a half for the Redskins on the road, but, you know, the, the next last thing I want to do is then bet on the Miami Dolphins only getting three and a half points at home, you know, so I'm going to tip my cap out to you, Greg, because I don't, I don't know how the hell you bet a game like this, <laughs> not to say, not to say that you can't easily win and your handicap might not be right, but it's just a game that I, you know, you could tell me that the Dolphins win this game out, right? And I still wouldn't want to bet on the money line. Like you could show me the game from the future, like come back <laughs> from the future, show me the role as a result. I'm still not going to bet on the money line, Greg. I, I don't want any part in this game. I don't want to have to watch it. I don't want to have to think about it. I, I don't even, it's a, it's a shame that it's even on the schedule for the NFL. Like it's just, I, this might be a record low attendance. Like I, there's just so much I can say. And I just want no part in this game, but you know, I, I do hope that the Redskins, uh, somehow win this game because I, I, I would like to see, I would like to see, um, the Dolphins, you know, plan, stay intact. You know, as bad as they've been, it would kind of be upsetting if the Redskins slip right under them and start tanking even harder. You know what <laughs> I mean? You know, all of a sudden the Dolphins end up now, but with the Jets and the Bengals and the Redskins, all of a sudden the Dolphins are now the fifth worst team in the NFL. So I, I I'm going to root for the Dolphins because I actually do agree with you. I like what they've done, stockpiling the picks, and they knew that this wasn't their year as opposed to the Redskins. Not that they thought that this was their year, but, I mean, they didn't think that they were the Dolphins. Exactly, exactly, but I wish
0: you nothing but the best of luck, as always. Let's go to a divisional battle in the AFC North. We have the first-place Baltimore Ravens hosting the Cincinnati Bengals. Not necessarily on opposite. I mean, we are taking different sides of the game, but you're on the Ravens in the first half. Explain to me the fall process behind Baltimore in the first 30 minutes.
1: Yeah, so not only am I on the Ravens, minus 6.5 at minus 125 odds uh, for a one-unit play, this is actually a three-unit max play for me, Greg. I really like this play. Let me tell you why. So the Bengals, they haven't covered the first half this year since that first game that they played at Seattle. And obviously the Bengals have really just trended downward since then. You know, they had a solid... I guess you could say solid game against the Bills, but they blew that game. Like they should have won in the Bills. They let the Bills come all the way back, you know, scoring. I mean, I mean, they almost came back. Excuse me. I'm sorry. I had it flipped. You know, they almost came back and beat the Bills, but they were obviously down for the majority of the game and the Bills kind of just you know let them come back and then obviously they end up winning at the end but anyway the Bengals just to look pathetic I mean what they did on Monday night at at Pittsburgh was pathetic only putting up three points and then you know to come home and lose to Kyler Murray and the Cardinals and hand them their first win it just didn't look any better I don't know where the Bengals are going I hear trade talk rumors about AJ Green Tyler Eifer obviously Andy Dalton is not the answer you know I, they look like they're trending towards a team that is tanking and wanting to blow up this whole thing. And let me tell you, the Ravens don't get them at any better of a time. Obviously, the Ravens, we thought, after starting the season, you know, 2-0, and and there was a lot of hype coming in, into them against the Chiefs, they then dropped to the Chiefs and Browns over 2-0. And they got back on track last week. You know, the Steelers, obviously, when they're out, they're starting quarterback, Big Ben, But, and, you know, Mason Rudolph got hurt in that game. But they did ultimately win a divisional rivalry game on the road in overtime. And that's a big win, right? And now they're coming home and they're playing the Bengals, who are just absolutely pathetic. And and, and to say that the Ravens can't be up by a touchdown at halftime, I don't think it's crazy. You know, they covered the first half against the Steelers last game. And and I just think that the Ravens are really going to come home. I know their defense is a little bit of a struggle, but obviously the Bengals are without John Ross you know he's on the he's on the IR and you know we mixing hasn't been the mixing we saw last year. I really don't see the Bengals mustering up too much points in the first half, and, and I see the Ravens. Their their offense has been their problem, just really their defense in some of their games. But I see uh, something along the lines of you know like a seventeen to three first half, something like that, fourteen to three, something like that.
0: Well, I hear everything you're saying. And I am, you know, I I think it's good that you looked at the Bengals' first halves, because traditionally, that's where you can see a coach just look like he's outmatched. Zach Taylor, first-year head coach for Cincinnati, and he's kind of, uh, looks at least like he's in over his head. But this is just kind of a play against Baltimore for me. I'm taking Cincinnati, full game, plus ten and a half, and it's because I just, can't get there with Baltimore at this number and have any confidence in the Ravens right now. Baltimore is the second worst defense in terms of yards per play against. And you're laying over 10 full game. I, 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 it doesn't compute with me. I, I, and the only reason it is this is because there's obviously not much of a betting bandwagon for Cincinnati. Doesn't mean I'm automatically going to win. Obviously we know that there's no locks in this business, but i it's the only way I can look here is to take these points and look at the Bengals in a divisional game. Maybe they can get up for this the way they did on the road at, at Seattle, rather, in their season opener, where they played them real tough. They, they went to Buffalo, a team with a far better defense than Baltimore, and Cincinnati covered the full game line at Buffalo. So I, I just think, listen, these are professionals, and eventually they're going to say enough's enough. And 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 compete and at least cover this number, and that's what I'm. That's really what my thought process is here. Much more of a play against Baltimore. I know the AFC North has not been good, and the Steelers. Who knows what's going on with Mason Rudolph? And you know the Browns look to be a bit of a mess as well. So maybe Baltimore is going to win this division at nine and seven, but that doesn't mean that you. I can run to the window with Baltimore minus ten and a half. So. I just, right now, I'm not that confident in the Steelers. I'll take the Bengals' full game plus the ten and a half. So, hey, maybe this is good for both of us. Yeah, let's call it
1: end. 17-7 at half, and then let's call it
0: 27-17 at the final score, and we are both happy. Works for me. Let's go to the uh West Coast. Big game, probably the biggest game on the NFL card, at least in the – uh early or in the afternoon window uh, before we get to the primetime stuff it's the New York Jets uh, or I'm sorry the the uh, LA Rams hosting the San Francisco 49ers uh, interesting little spot here the Rams off of extended rest having played on Thursday against Seattle the 49ers off of a short week playing on Monday night football 49ers come in four and0 Rams come in at three and two not sure that was how we saw the first month of the season playing out for both teams. but Matt, I'm, I'm sitting on the sideline here. You like the Rams just to win the game. You're playing them on the money line.
1: Yeah, I'm paying
0: the price, too. Minus 170. I'm playing it for a top play, that's so two
1: units. I'm risking 3.4 units to win two units here. I love the Rams in this spot. If there's anything such as a situational game, it's this. I you know, I, I might have this wrong, and I'll, I'll have to check it. You know, We'll get back to it, but I believe I read that Sean McVay with extra rest is 11 and 0 since becoming uh since it becoming the Rams head coach or something like that. You know, maybe I'm a little off of the number. I, I, I'll have it. But he he's, he has an unbelievable record when he's coming in. Let me tell you, they've lost the past two games, and, and that was something that, that, that Sean McVay, his team is not accustomed to. And like you said, the Niners come in 4-0. Oh. So, you know, the Rams come into the season obviously off of what they did last year, losing in the Super Bowl with a lot of hype to get back there this year. They open up the season 3-0 and with three great wins. Now they stumble with two two losses, a pathetic loss at home to the Bucs, and then a tough loss on Thursday night football at the Seahawks. I just this this Los Angeles Rams team has just straight up too much talent to lose three games in a row, two of them at home, and this game off of a, a extended break, especially with the Niners off of a, you know, I mean, I know understand the Niners had the early bye, but they still did play on Monday night and they and they have short rest. The Niners look great against the Browns, that's fine, but we've seen the Browns struggle all year. The Rams also beat this Browns team. We've seen the Niners beat the Steelers. We've seen the Niners beat the Bengals. We've seen the Niners beat the Bucks. Yeah, they beat the Bucks, and the Bucks beat the Rams, but we know how this NFL league works. Like it's really any given Sunday, and if anything, that should tell you it all. The Niners beat the Bucks in Tampa 31 to 17. The Rams lost at home 40 to 55. But now here we are in L.A. and the Rams are somehow minus three. You know, not somehow, but that's what the line is. So this Rams team, like I said, just has too much talent to lose three games in a row. They're too well coached. They're going to figure it out. And I don't see the Niners having the run success they had against the Browns against this Rams team. And I don't see Jared Goff. As much as I'm not too much of a Goff fan, I just have to think that this Rams team is going to bounce back at home. And if they don't, Greg, I mean, look, I mean, they're they're frankly gonna miss the playoffs. If they lose this game, they oh, will miss the playoffs. They'll fall to three and three. The San Francisco 49ers will move to five and oh. And the Seahawks, you know, I I don't I, I don't have a play on that game against the Browns, it's a tough one for them. But obviously, if the Seahawks win and they're five and one and the Niners are 5 and zero, the Rams can really kiss the playoffs goodbye. Now, you know, if they if the Seahawks fall to four and two, and the Rams are 3-3, three and three. They're, they're still in it a little bit. But with the Seahawks holding the tiebreaker over them, the Niners holding the tiebreaker over them, and being two games back, I mean, the Rams could kiss the playoffs goodbye because the NFC is loaded. So in my mind, it's going to be two out of these three teams, Niners, Rams, Seahawks, and then obviously I, I would like to think that the Cowboys are going to right the ship, and they will end up getting the other wild card spot with the Eagles winning the division, Somehow it might flip, but I, I expect the Eagles. They look right. They look right now, and, and they're going to be getting Deshaun Jackson back. I, I expect them to go on to win division. So, like this is a this is a, this is as big as a game as you can get for the Rams in October early, and I expect them to come out and win this game at home.
0: Let's move on and end our podcast with a couple of consensus plays, one of which is also in the late afternoon NFL window on Sunday, and then the other is on Monday Night Football. Let's start with a home underdog uh, being the New York Jets, plus seven. I got this at eight and a half on Monday morning. Took a little bit of a gamble just on the hunch that we were going to see Sam Darnold return. And sure enough, this one worked out for me. Uh, later on in the day on Monday, we got the news that Darnold was going to blind, it was in line to start and return for the New York Jets. And man, I just think this is gonna light a fire under the Jets. There's gonna be a little more juice. There's gonna be a little bit more energy. They're gonna just fly a lot harder knowing that their guy Sam Darnold is back under center. Remember, they already had the bye, so they've only played the four games compared to everybody else's five. And so, you know, they come in at zero and four. But now, I, in a weird way, I think this is a buy sign on the Jets, where I think, as I said, they're going to be a little bit more motivated. And we've only seen them with one game with Sam Darnold. And granted, they didn't look good against Buffalo, and they let the game get away. But I, I'm willing to kind of look past their struggles with Luke Falk and just say, all right, it's a clean slate for the Jets as far as my gambling on them is concerned, and. I look at them catching a touchdown against a Dallas team that I'm not sure about right now. Like all of a sudden you think about where we were and you just mentioned the Eagles likely to win the NFC East. I agree with you because Dallas kind of proving some of those critics correct that, all right. Well, you beat the Giants with Eli Manning still starting. Then you beat the Redskins and Dolphins. And look what's happened since. They didn't. You know, the New Orleans got the better of them in the Superdome. And then last week, Green Bay ran right through them in a game that wasn't as close as the final score indicated. That is also a uh, you know a, a red flag if I'm a Dallas better here because I think that this line is priced given, like, the final score and not necessarily really how the game went against Green Bay, where they weren't in it most of the way. Getting a touchdown here, give me the Jets. Uh, as I said, I got in at 8.5, so I'm just I'm not going to bet it again at plus 7, but I would still play this at plus 7.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I mean I'm i on the Jets here, plus 7 with you. I think it's a good spot. Like you said, I think they're going to get up a little for their quarterback, Darnold. I'm not going to say that they didn't care about the games, but it is tough when you're playing – you know, with your backup quarterback and then he gets hurt and you got a third string quarterback. It's tough, you know. This, this Jets defense is still a good defense. They cause turnovers and we've seen turnovers be an issue for the Cowboys as of late in the past two games, you know, Cowboys, I thought that they were going to write the ship at home against the Packers, and I was wrong, so maybe the Cowboys are in a lot more trouble than we think. I mean, obviously, you know, I expect the Cowboys to get this the job done here and win the game, but seven points at home with their with their franchise quarterback returning, you know, I, I expect this to be a little closer than we would think, but this is really one of those games where you, you, you take the points with the Jets, and they lose 31-3, to and you're like, why the Hell, did I back the New York Jets? And obviously, it goes the other way. This is one of those tough
0: ones, but I'm taking the touchdown at home here for the New York Jets. Lastly, Monday Night Football Detroit Lions going to Lambeau Field out of a bye week against the Green Bay Packers. Matt, I don't know if you've seen this Green Bay injury report, but it's pretty long. And of course, Devontae Adams is still on it. We're not expecting to see him on offense for Green Bay. And I think you see a Detroit team come out with a chip on its shoulder, still not getting the respect that it probably deserves as Detroit comes in at 2-1-1 off its bye week, and in those two wins, one of them is a road win at Philly, and the other was a win against the Chargers, who haven't looked great, but week two, that was a game in which the Chargers were favored in on the road in Detroit, and the Lions won. So, and let's not forget, when we most recently saw Detroit, Oh, yeah, that's right. They nearly won outright against Kansas City and covered that number without much sweat. So uh, the fact of the matter is there's not much of a betting bandwagon for Detroit, and I think at this point there should be. I think what they've done is more real than fake. I think they're going to hang in this playoff hunt in what looks like to be a very competitive NFC North, and normally those are the kinds of games where you want points. And games that you expect to be field goal games, if you can... Get the dog catching over a field goal, probably good play. And that's where I'm at with Detroit. Monday night football play for me, and we're in agreement here, uh, plus the three and a half, plus four, depending on where you shop. Uh, but give us the Lions plus the points.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I, obviously you said it. I'm on the consensus. I'm on the Lions. Um, we're seeing this Lions team. I, I like what's going on in Detroit. I really do. I actually um, put a little flyer on them to make the playoffs at plus 180 a week or two back. And you know, at a Monday night game, we've really, like we really haven't seen Aaron Rodgers play that well this year, have we? I mean, now, granted, obviously they won the game last week, and I know Aaron Jones went nuts and had four touchdowns, so some of them could have been Aaron Rodgers. But let me tell you, he's not putting up the stats he usually puts up. Um, you know, if you told me give me a quarterback to go win the game. Aaron Rodgers is not my one. He's not my two. He's not my three. Greg, he's not my top five. I, I'd pick five quarterbacks right now in this league to go win me the game over Aaron Rodgers. I, you know, I'll even give you right now, I'm going to pick Tom Brady. I'm going to be picking Patrick Mahomes. I'm going to be picking Russell Wilson. I, he, and, and maybe this is the home run me. I'm going to be picking Carson Wentz right now. I really like what's going on with him in Philly. He, you know, he's had some drop balls. Right but he, you the see I'm ball- going with this. And and that that you just took the fifth one right from me. Deshaun Watson, you know, with his legs and his clutch ability, I I, I like. Aaron Rodgers, he, he, obviously Drew Brees is hurt, but Drew Brees would make that list probably over Carson Wentz, or I mean over Carson Wentz or over Deshaun Watson. You know, I would have to think about it a little more. But anyway, I think the Lions, um, their defense is flying around out there. They finally have a running game. Stafford slings the ball. And, obviously, Devontae Adams is not expected to play. And that's a big loss for the Packers. Uh, I mean, it's their number
0: one receiver. So, uh, I I like the Lions, plus four. And that is how we will end it. A consensus play on the Detroit Lions, plus the four, I agree with a lot of what you said about Aaron Rodgers. I've been disappointed as a fantasy owner, but not much I can do there. Kind of just have to ride with Aaron Rodgers and hope the results are a little bit better. That's going to wrap things up for us on Full Slate, a Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. Everyone, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy your weekend of gambling. Plenty of options to choose from. We are back on Tuesday. We will have some LCS games to discuss. And, of course, we'll look ahead to an ASC West Thursday night football week seven battle between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Denver Broncos. As I said, enjoy your weekend, and please, play responsibly.